Good morning. First of all, I'd just like to say um, hello to some old friends that used to attend this church, and they are now missionaries in South Africa, and they are licensed and ordained pastors just very recently. I was counting up the other day, and they're like, this church through the years, in, in my 35 years, has sent out 15 pastors or been a part of that process. And so Phil and Denise, wave, show people. There you go. They, would you uh, welcome some old friends back? Hmm. Uh, and they have, and Mackenzie has been here worshiping with us. She'll be with us till August. And Morgan is here also. Would you guys wave and do do your Miss America wave? <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'd, I also like to affirm Hank for taking the kids to Laser Dome and teaching them to be violent. Uh, it's uh, it's the least we can do for our youth. The, um, I did want to thank the congregation for my upcoming sabbatical. Wednesday will be my last day here for six weeks. I'll be back the first Sunday in July. And um, I thank you for it. Uh, I've been a, a pastor for 42 years. And uh, I know some of you are going, oh, you don't even look 42. <laughs> Not many, but... <laughs> but anyway, the... the um, you know, what I've discovered is there is no substitute for rest. You can't take a pill for it. You can't take a drug for it. The only way to rest is to rest. That's why God created the Sabbath and said, keep it holy. And one of the main ways you keep it holy is you do absolutely nothing. So in the next six weeks, I plan to do absolutely nothing and honor Jesus. So pray for, pray for that. It'll be hard, but we'll... Now, I'm going to continue the series on the Holy Spirit, and I'm reading today from Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. The sermon today is the Spirit and guidance. Starting with verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word into the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The church runs on the fuel of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is about the acts of the Holy Spirit. And it's a sad state that large segments of the a modern church are unaffected by this person and the energy which he brings, which exploded into the world 2,000 years ago. Many churches only believe in the Holy Spirit as a creed or a theology or a liturgy. They believe in him in theory, but they shut him out as a real force for the renovation of their lives and their ministries. Some, you know, I grew up in a church where if the Holy Spirit actually moved, we would have been handing out boxes of depends all over the place. As Calvin Miller writes, such churches become hollow museums whose curators grow content to speak his name without the slightest danger of experiencing his presence. Without an openness to the movements of the Spirit, everything we do here is a farce. We cannot do anything 
We cannot bear any fruit. We cannot make any kind of eternal changes unless the Spirit moves. Amen? The Holy Spirit is God in the present tense. That means He's here. That means He's now. That means He's active. That means He's moving. That means He's leading. The Holy Spirit is God living in us, filling us, comforting us, healing us, transforming us. And one of the main objectives of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. In this passage of Scripture today, we see the Holy Spirit guiding His people. We see the Holy Spirit interjecting Himself into the travel plans of Paul and Silas and the company they were with, leading them and Christianity itself into a brand new frontier. Paul and Silas wanted to head east. The Holy Spirit said, head west. Paul and Silas wanted to go deeper into Asia. The Holy Spirit wanted them to go into Macedonia, the first beachhead of Christianity in Europe. This passage again reminds us of who was in charge of the church. This didn't happen because they got a committee together. This didn't happen because they got a long-range planning group together or some church hierarchy of old men got together. It happened because the Spirit chose and a faithful group of people responded to that Spirit. Sometimes we forget the church is Jesus Christ led through the Spirit. And He knows what place we have. He knows the gifts we have. He knows where we need to go. He knows where congregations need to go. One of the first things you notice about in this passage of Scripture is that they, as they were being led by the Spirit, Paul and Silas in this group were already going on the revelation that had been given to them. This is the first step of spirit leading. You want to be guided by the Spirit? Rule number one, follow the revelation you already have. We already know the majority of God's will for our lives. 90% at least of the way we are supposed to live our lives is already in Scripture. It's already sitting on your laps or beside you this morning. We already know, you know, that how God wants us to act and live where we are. We don't need to ask the Spirit, how do you want me to treat my spouse today? Should I be mean or should I be loving? We don't have to ask the Spirit, how should I raise my kids today? Should I discipline them or let them run wild? We already know, you know, that God, you know, we don't have to say, Lord, do you want me to be generous today? Do we really have to ask that question? Should I do drugs today, Jesus? Should I get drunk today, Jesus? Should I steal from the company today, Jesus? I do not need special revelation from the Spirit to tell me that stuff. It is already right here in this book. Amen. Learn the book. Now, do we, even with 90% at least of revelation, need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do His will? Absolutely. It's one thing to know I should love my enemies. It's another thing to actually do it. I need a power beyond myself to love my enemies. It's one thing to know that I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church. It's another thing to actually do it. I need a power beyond myself to do it. Even though we know the will of God for much of our lives, that doesn't make us less dependent on the Spirit. We need the Spirit to do all of these things. We need the Spirit to help us obey. We need the Spirit to reproduce fruit in our lives. Before you ask for special revelation, 
make sure you're following God's biblical revelation first. Before you ask God for his hidden will, make sure you're obeying his revealed will already. Before you ask God to show you where to go in the future, make sure you're doing his will here and now in the present. You know, it's like you, 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 I've, I've learned lessons from riding a bicycle. And you know what I learned? You can't learn to ride a bicycle while it's laying on its side. You have to get on the bicycle and you have to start moving. Then someone can help you learn to ride the bike. You have to get on the bike and start pedaling. Because it's much easier to guide a moving bike than one laying on its side and a person sitting beside it. The same is true in the Christian life. It's much easier for the Spirit to guide an obedient, Spirit-led Christian doing His will than to get someone sitting in a cave doing nothing and teach them how to follow Him. Paul and Silas were already in the Spirit. They were already in obedience. They were already doing what God had revealed to them. But there will be times, there will be times when we need special, specific revelation from God. Because you see, Paul and his companions had no idea what was at stake by going to Macedonia. They had no idea what God was up to. They had no idea that going into Europe would trigger things that would last for centuries and centuries, more than a millennia. He had no idea that Europe would become primarily a Christian continent and that they would lead the world in evangelism for centuries. They had no idea. There are times when we need nothing less than a direct word from God. There are times when we have no idea what's at stake, but the Spirit knows what's at stake. We are called to obey the Spirit whether we understand it or not. Now let me give you some basic principles for following the Spirit and His guidance. And the first is this, besides knowing the the Bible and besides obeying what you know, here's the first one for special guidance. God's special guidance is almost always step by step. Did you notice in this passage of Scripture? It was no to Asia, no to Bithynia, then a call to Macedonia, symbolically represented by a Macedonian man crying for help. One of the things you may have noticed about God's guidance in this passage of Scripture is that He does not give an overabundance of information. It's short to the point. No, no, go. There's no explanation. There's no rationale. There's no answering why. It's short and to the point. God gives the next step. He doesn't give the next mile, the next 10 miles, the next 100 miles. The scripture says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. A lamp on a dark night only illuminates a few feet ahead. It's not like the headlight that illuminates the road for several hundred feet or a high-powered beam going down the road. Or let me change analogies. The Lord's guidance usually works more like a compass than a road map. A compass gives you general directions. A road map gives you vivid details. The only way a compass works is you go step by step, mile after mile, And although you know the general direction you're headed, 
You're never sure of where you're going. You're never sure of what you're going to bump into. You're never sure of what lies over the next hill. But you keep going the same the correct direction. With a detailed map, once you identify your location, you see the big picture. You know every river, every road, every city, every national park in that area. You can see where you're going. You can, you, you can uh, see exactly how to get there and what lies between you and your destination. You can even, with a map, estimate how long it will take. You get no such luck with a compass. It's just one step after another step leading in a certain direction. I have really bad news for some of you. God does not do road map leading. He does compass leading. Paul never got a road map. He never saw the big picture. All he knew was the next step and nothing else, and he didn't even know why. We hate that, don't we? In this controlaholic, I'm in charge, control your destiny, I'm the captain of my own fate world, we hate not knowing what God's up to, and we hate not knowing what life holds in front of us. We hate just having a compass and not having a road map because such things leave us out of the control we so desperately crave. I have concluded that the number one addiction in America is not drugs and alcohol. It is control. By the way, I think that's exactly why God does it step by step in the dark. Because if we think we have enough information, then we think we can handle things ourselves. We think if we have enough information, we can run the show ourselves. We can put it all together ourselves. Step-by-step -step guidance keeps you clinging to God, whether you want to or not. It keeps you dependent on Him. It keeps you praying. It keeps you close. God never wants to you to get to the place in your life where you have so much information you can live without him. Besides all that, Jesus said that today has enough concerns for us, enough troubles for us. It's all we can handle today anyway. You know, what if in the next hour the future was revealed to you what would you do if you saw all the pain and suffering in your life that's coming for the next 40 years in the next hour? What would you do? What would you do if you saw the deaths of family and close friends? If you saw the disease that was going to invade your body and put you through hell? What would you do if you saw that car accident coming your way? What would you do if you saw the betrayal of that friend or that spouse? What would you do? You know what, Jack, you know, Jack Nicholson in, in, in A Few Good Men, remember his line? Yeah. The truth, you can't handle the truth, you know? <laughs> or even the good, could we even handle the good? We can't take the future even if we knew the good that was coming. You know why? Because if we saw everything good that was coming and we knew it was going to be that way, we would stop depending on God and depend on the good that's coming. We would draw, it wouldn't draw us to God, it would draw us away from Him. That's why God can only guide us one step at a time. Otherwise, we would lap, lapse one hand into total despair, or on the other hand, we would run off without Him. And God will not let us run off without Him. 
God takes us one step at a time because in all honesty, one step at a time is all we can really handle. Compass stuff is all we can really handle. God guided Paul through a, in a variety of ways. It said that when Paul was forbidden to go to Asia, the Greek word was in the aorist tense, which means showing prior action. Paul and Silas and all these guys, they didn't start getting led by the dream of the Macedonian. They were already being led. They were forbidden to go into Asia by the Spirit. They were, said, they, they were told not to go into Bithynia by the Spirit. They were already in the Spirit, obeying the Spirit. They, did, they knew what no was. They just didn't know what yes was until the dream came. When our hearts are committed, when our minds are biblically informed, when our spirits are in the flow of God's Spirit, I've got great news for you. You can hear God's still, small voice. Hallelujah. This is the promise of Scripture. He said, my sheep know my voice. You can know the voice of God. You can know the nudges of God. You can know the leadings of God. Dallas Willard in his book, Hearing God, says this. He said, James Dobson has given some of the best practical advice I've heard on how someone who really wants the will of God and who has a basic correct understanding of it should proceed. Describing how he does it, Dobson says this. Now get this. This is how simple it is in some ways. I get down on my knees and say, Lord, I need to know what you want me to do, and I am listening. Please speak to me through my friends, books, magazines I pick up and read, and through circumstances. Please speak to me in life. God has spoken to me through documentaries on big wave surfing in Hawaii. And one of, the, one of the most powerful experiences I ever had, I was watching a big wave surfing contest in Hawaii, and I just cried through all of it as the Spirit fell on me. God has spoken to me through Led Zeppelin. Do you know who Led Zeppelin is? The old people? Okay, all right. Oh, thought I was on Mars for a minute. Anyway... God has spoken to me through books. He's spoken to me through conversations. He's even spoken to me on a golf course, although most of the time I am God forsaken there. <laughs> Willard says this, When I want to hear from God, I ask Him to speak to me, and then as I go through my days, I listen for that voice or the thought that comes from Him to help me understand things. It's amazing, he says, how often we don't ask for what we need. But when we do ask, we expect it and watch for it. By the way, that's one reason to ask, because you start looking for it. Often I'm in the midst of something else. When the answer comes, God wants to guide us. What's, after learning Scripture and getting into obedience and understanding it step by step, what's the next step? You listen! And by the way, it's not this intense, oh, Jesus, Jesus, help me talk... It, it, you relax. You relax. Willard says that often by the end of an hour or so, or a day or so, or a week or so, there has stood forth within my consciousness an idea or a thought with that particular quality, spirit, and content that I have come to associate with God's voice. In other words, 
You're reading a magazine. Something jumps off of it. God, you've asked God to guide you. You're reading something. It jumps off the page. God is guiding. Or you're just sitting there and this thought comes flooding into your head. God is guiding. And it often comes when you're not looking for it. So relax. Willard says that often uh, uh, when it comes, I write it down for further study. Or I discuss the matter with others, usually not saying God has told me. Or he said, I may reconsider the matter again and say, please speak to me again, Lord. Or Lord, would you make that more clear? God doesn't mind. God gives wisdom liberally. Isn't that what it says? But the next step is to listen. And this quiet, constant listening in your spirit. You know, it's like, have you, have, you, know, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about this SETI Satellites, you know, they're, they're looking for extraterrestrial life in the universe. And they've got, they've got like two or three dozen of these giant satellite dishes in the desert aimed to outer space, trying to pick up, pick up signals from, for extra, from extraterrestrial life. They're listening to the universe. We're supposed to take our inner dishes and turn them to the spirit and listen for extraterrestrial life in our own souls. And I promise you, we will do a whole lot better than NASA is doing. God will speak to you. I like what Frederick Buechner says. He says, listen to your life, to your soul. What is going on within and without? What is moving us? What is burdening us? What is exciting us that has God's sweet presence attached to it? And then watch for circumstances to match it. The question for all of us today is, are we listening? And have we learned how to listen? Two men were pushing their way through crowds at New York City's Times Square. They had to almost yell at each other to hear each other. One was a native of New York. The other was a Native American from Oklahoma. The Native American stopped suddenly and said to his friend, listen. Listen, do you hear that cricket? His friend thought it was a joke. Are you kidding? How could anyone hear a cricket in Times Square in all of this bedlam? You just think you heard it. No, I'm not kidding, said the Native American. Come over here. And he walked over to a planter that was holding a large shrub and pointed at the dead leaves in the bottom. And to his amazement, the New York saw a cricket rubbing its legs together. How exciting. You must have extraordinary ears, the New Yorker exclaimed. No better than yours, said the Native American. It all depends on what you're listening for. Watch this. And then he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a handful of nickels and dimes and quarters. And then he threw them on the sidewalk. And they said people from as far away as two blocks away stopped and turned to see where that sound had come from. They couldn't hear crickets, but they could hear money bouncing off the sidewalk. See what I mean, said the Native American? It all depends on what you're listening for. Let me ask you this morning, what are you listening for? You can learn the voice of God. You can learn the nudges of the Spirit. You can experience the presence of God. It is learnable. Are you learning? Which leads us to the next point on knowing 
and receiving guidance from God. Know the general word of God. Take it step by step. Ask, listen. But there's one more key component, a couple more key components to this. One of the key components to learning God's voice is that you must be prepared to act on what you think you hear. You must be willing to obey, to take risks, even small ones. Ron Patterson said a woman named Mary Geeg lived in his town. When he knew her, she was in her 90s. She's gone on to be with the Lord now. But she wrote a wonderful little book called God Guides, telling of her experiences of hearing God's voice during her long career as a missionary in India. Her method, if you could call it a method, was very, very simple. When she needed to hear from the Lord about something, which for her was every day, she would sit down with a pad and a pencil, ask the Lord for his wisdom in the situation, listen quietly until he spoke, write down what she heard, and here's the important part, she would do it. Just like that. If she didn't hear anything, she wouldn't do anything. Once, she was having a fight with a fellow missionary. And despite her best efforts of revealed knowledge, revealed scripture trying to make it up, she couldn't break through with this other missionary. One day she sat down with her pencil and her paper and said, God, I don't know how to break through with this other missionary. And she was sat down and she wrote, she heard the Spirit say, give her an egg. Perplexed but obedient, she did what the Lord said to do. She went to this woman and half apologizing because it just seemed so out of the blue, especially given the tension between them, she said, God told me to give you an egg. And it turned out the gift of the egg had extraordinary significance to this alienated sister. Since she needed exactly one more egg with what she was fixing that night to feed her family and she could not find one more egg and she was praying, God, have somebody bring me an egg. Mary's act of obedience to what some call the inner voice showed this sister not only that Mary was sincere about reconciliation, but God was sincere about reconciliation. If God told her to bring an egg and it was that specific, she had better make up. To read her book is to read of a woman who had this kind of thing happen over and over. If you are walking in the Spirit and willing to obey, I believe you will hear from the Spirit. And obedience is one of the keys to hearing from God. After all, why should God guide us if we're not willing to follow that guidance? Why should God tell us stuff we're not willing to act on? Because the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to build the kingdom, not our portfolios. The purpose of the Spirit is to save souls, not help us find another parking place at the mall. The, the, the purpose of the Spirit is to bring justice, not help us find another Mercedes. I've had people ask me to pray for the most awful things. I remember one woman came to me. And she said, I'm going to Atlantic City, and I'm going to gamble at Atlantic City. Would you pray for my gambling? Would you pray that I win at the crap tables? And after I picked her off the floor, I said, let me talk about that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 
not violent. But I said, I'm going to tell you three things. And this is the truth. I said, I'm going to tell you three things. First of all, I will not pray for your gambling. I'm not praying for that habit that has gotten so many people. I'm not praying for your gambling. And the second thing I want you to know, if you do, by some lucky occurrence, go to Atlantic City and win a million dollars and give most of it to the church, I will take the money. I will. And the third thing I want you to know is we never had this conversation. If people want to know where a million bucks came for, we're just, I'm just going to say, praise Jesus, God provides. The Spirit is not our personal genie. He is here to build the kingdom of God. And if you want Him to lead you, then you must be willing to follow where He leads you. Amen? Amen. Now here's the final part. Paul shared his dream of a Macedonian man saying, come over here with, with the people in his company. And it says here that they, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That word conclude is very interesting. The Greek word for that means they came together in agreement. They all became of one mind. It means they renewed all the data the dream, the circumstances, the no's, the inner leadings. And then, putting all the evidence together, this group of dedicated believers concluded what to do. They did not go to Macedonia solely on the basis of Paul's dreams, even though that was critical. They weighed it all out, before, and they weighed it out in community together. By the way, this is, this is how the New Testament offer, operated. Remember in Antioch, before they sent out the first missions, missionaries in the history of the church? Remember what happened in Antioch? It said they prayed, they fasted, the Spirit shook things up, and the Spirit said, call out Paul and Barnabas for me. And, it, and I love how it concludes. It says at the end of that momentous meeting, it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It didn't, they didn't say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and Paul or Barnabas. It was to us. It was to the entire community. The final factors in determining God's will was a praying community of believers putting the evidence together. Inner impressions counted. Dreams counted. Circumstances counted. But the discerning thinking community had the real say in determining of what they figured out God was doing. They figured out God's will together. Without community, fanaticism is a danger. People do dumb things when they lone wolf it. Have you noticed? Unspiritual things, ignorant things. I get very nervous when people won't submit their perceived guidance to other mature believers. That's precisely where a lot of craziness kicks in. That's precisely where a lot of demonic deception comes in. That, you know, that is what the devil is looking for. He is looking for you to lone wolf it. That's why the Bible says there is wisdom in the counsel of believers. You know, I, I, I have run into this all my life. And I'm quite sick of it, so I'm going to preach against it now, okay? I'm getting, I just tell you that because I'm going to get a great deal of pleasure out of this. A lot of people say, the Lord told me. And I've heard nutty things when, I've heard nutty things. But what they really are saying many times is when they say, the Lord told me this or that, 
what they're really saying is discussion over. Discussion over. According to the New Testament, it's not discussion over. It's the discussion is just beginning. Hallelujah. I've heard many people say, you know, the Lord told me this or that. And the implication is no more questions. In the New Testament church, that's precisely where the questions got started. They started discerning together. Because you see, God has gifts in the, among mature believers in his body. Gifts of discernment. Gifts of knowledge. Gifts of wisdom. Discerning God's will for big picture stuff should invite these gifts into the discussion, not avoid them. I hear, I hear people go, you know, you know, I am a prophet, thus saith the Lord. And I go, can, I, can we talk about that? And they act like, oh, you know, how dare you question my prophetic office. I just feel like saying bull hockey. <laughs> Sorry for my potty mouth. <laughs> that person who says you cannot question him is exactly the person who needs to be questioned. Why wouldn't you seek the wisdom of others if you're not some arrogant jerk? You know, when I, when I, 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 I hear from the Lord, I, 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 I try to walk in the Spirit and I hear from the Lord a lot. But I want you to know something. I am all the time testing what I hear from the Lord. I, I run it by the staff. Often I don't say to the staff, I think the Lord told me this. I go, what do you think of this idea? But, in, you know, I run it by the... We have a church board. I run it by because I value the council of believers with the church board. I have individuals in my life like Eldon Fry, who used to be the chaplain at Messiah College. Now he's, he's my spiritual director. I'll sit down with him once a month and I say, Eldon, I think the Lord is leading me this way. What do you think? Why wouldn't I want that kind of wisdom in my life? Because you see, there comes a point where you want to get it right or you just want to be right. But if all you want to do is just be right, it means your ego is already on the line and you're not prepared to listen to the real spirit. If you're not prepared to listen to the council of believers, you're not prepared to listen to the spirit either. Amen. And I'll be honest with you too on this. There are a lot of churches in, in, in globally, thousands of them, that are not really churches. They're just cults in disguise. You know what I mean? Because they've got a leader that says, Thus saith the Lord, I am God's prophet. I'm on an entirely different plane than all of you. You just listen to me and blindly follow what I say. If you're in a church like that, run like the wind. Run like the wind. Because it's a cult of personality or it's just a cult. And bad things happen. This is not how the New Testament church operated. This is not how it's supposed to operate. Now, are we supposed to respect leaders? Of course we're supposed to. And often in America, we don't respect leaders enough. But the fact is, there's a world of difference between respecting a leader and blindly following a leader. So let me sum this up. Learn the word. Follow the word you've learned. Ask God to lead you step by step. And when you do that, when you obey the wisdom you already have, it comes down to these simple criteria. Does this agree with Scripture? Does this align with my inner being? Are circumstantial doors opening that align with my inner being? And by the way, I've experienced both in my life. I've had times where doors have opened 
But my spirit said no. And I've had times in my life where my spirit said yes, but no doors open. And that was God's way of saying, wait, wait, wait. Just like he did with no to Bithynia. No, there's an answer coming, but the answer's not here yet. Wait. Wait on the Lord. And then, finally, do mature believers, you know, agree with you? Are they willing to walk with you and pray with you for this? This is how you know the voice of God. If you do, God wants you to know your, His voice. He's not playing hide and go seek with you. He's not playing keep away with you. God wants you to walk in His Spirit. He wants to guide you into all truth. He wants to do wonderful things in your life. But we've gotten so afraid of the Holy Spirit, we don't ask. And we don't do it His way. We're so ignorant, we don't do it His way. And then we go, well, there's just nothing to this. There's plenty to this. I am here to testify, not only biblically, but for my own life and the life of other believers I know. Jesus Christ through the Spirit will lead you. He will lead you. Do you want to be led? That's the question. Are you willing to learn to listen and separate the voices in your head from His and all those other voices? Are you willing to share your life with other mature believers. Are you willing to do these things? I'm going to conclude this sermon with this simple homework assignment, okay? Every person here probably has some sort of major life decision looming in their life, okay? I ask you, have you asked God to guide you and gone through anything like the process I've just mentioned? If you haven't, here is your homework assignment. Do it! <laughs> Ask God to guide you. Listen for the next hour, the next day, the next week. Listen for all the ways His guidance may come. Listen one step at a time. And talk to other believers. Have them praying with you and for you. And just see where God leads you. Paul was shocked at where God led him. You just might find yourself shocked at where God will lead you. God wants to talk to us. He wants to talk to you. He wants to be real in your life. These are ways, simple ways, that he can be real in your life. Let him be real. Amen? Amen. Now, I'd like you to stand. I'd like the intercessors to come forward. I'd like... Uh, Whoever's doing the final song, the Millers, to, to do the final song. If you don't know the Lord, give your heart to the Lord this morning. We will pray for you about anything and everything. If you want to talk to someone, the prayer room is open. Someone will pray and talk with you there, but you can come up and people will pray with you in the front. But I want the heart of your prayer today to be this. Holy Spirit, be real to me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, give me the power to obey where you take me. And if you pray that prayer, watch out. Watch out. Amen? Come and lead us.